0: Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Good morning. We'll see how this goes since I've been running out of breath real quickly today. <laughs> um, All right, so let's all open our Bibles or you can look at the screens or you could just listen if you aren't very good at reading yet. Um, And let's read Luke chapter 2, 22 through 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. The word of God for the people of God. So just a few weeks ago, we were in a time of waiting we were observing advent, which is when we wait to celebrate the birth of Christ as an attempt to put ourselves in the sandals of the people who had been waiting for generations for the Messiah to come and bring redemption. I can picture Mary and Joseph waiting for their first advent, nine months of anticipation. And during this time, some really incredible things were happening to them. So, an angel visited each of them to announce the unexpected pregnancy. And then Mary spent time with her cousin Elizabeth, who was old in age and also pregnant with the child who would end up preparing the way for Jesus. And uh, Mary and Joseph had to travel a long way for the census. And. there were any rooms at the inn, and then they found the stable that they could stay in. And she gave birth in a stable, and uh, everything was fine. And uh, people freak out when you want like a home birth. I'm not doing a home birth, but people freak out when you think about that, and or even mention it. And so I imagine, like, I wonder if people freaked out because they had the child in a stable. But anyway, they found, so they found this stable to stay at, and she delivered this child. And then just a bunch of random shepherds showed up to greet this child. And I think it was all pretty weird and awesome and strange. My pregnancy is not that exciting. I just really want orange juice and pickled beets all the time. <laughs> so that's the most exciting thing is when I get to eat those and drink. but. Yeah, so now we find Mary 40 days after she gave birth to Jesus. And she's been settling into motherhood, mothering God himself, not just some average child. On that 40th day, they went into the temple. There was a purification ceremony Mary would participate in, and then they'd also dedicate their baby. It was in the law of Moses that new moms had to wait 40 days to go into the temple, so they had plenty of time to heal after uh, some of the physical results of childbirth that would prevent them from coming into the temple. And that's as specific as they'll get with children here. The, <laughs> the law also says that the firstborn son of any family would be dedicated to God. So Mary and Joseph were very observant of this law and careful to do what was required. Um, So they had the, the sacrifice was supposed to be a lamb and a pigeon. And that was for, like, more wealthy people. And then for people who were, in the case of hardship, they would either bring two pigeons or two doves to be sacrificed. So we can interpret that, Mar- that Mary and Joseph were of humble means when it came to uh, their wealth. Um... And so this story takes place in the temple, and so it's important to note that the author of Luke uh, finds the temple really important, not only as like a center where people go to go to church, like people come here for church, but it it represented the center of Israel's hopes for redemption. So the author even begins this book by telling us the story of Zechariah, who is in the temple, and an angel appears to him and tells him that he and his wife, though old, are going to have a child, and they will name him John, who we know as John the Baptist. And so, announced in the temple, a place that represents the hope of the future of Israel and redemption, John the Baptist is being announced to Zechariah. And of course, he's like, what? And then he's mute until John is born, which is, must have been really fun. <laughs> Jason can still talk. He believed me when I told him. <laughs> so you can see like that the temple has this kind of, import, it's an important center for this. And so it's really neat that Jesus is being presented here and that all of this happens in the temple. And so the people had been waiting for this hope, this redemption, for a long time, and not just waiting along with Mary for nine months, like asking her what size the baby is, what fruit does it look like, or show us your bump pictures. Like it's not just nine months. Like that was a flash. Like. Most, most of the time we think it the wait beginning when God makes a covenant with King David and tells him that one of his descendants will be the Messiah who redeems everyone. But really, it began in Genesis. Ever since um, sin, came into the world, and death infringed upon the perfect creation, humanity was cast out of the garden, and then God cursed the snake, and he said that the woman's offspring would crush his head. And of course, we see this as referencing Christ. Um, But ever since then, people had been waiting and hoping for redemption. Not just since King David, but since sin entered the world. And that's a long time. That's many generations, generation after generation after generation. And I can't imagine waiting that long. Waiting isn't easy and often includes suffering in our waiting. For example, when you pop a pizza into the oven and you have to wait 20 entire minutes while you anticipate the taste and you can smell the cheese and the oregano and garlic, and you're just waiting for it, and then your stomach is like crying out in anguish like, Pizza! That's a dumb example, but true, occasionally. Or maybe you're starting a new semester of school this year, and you're thinking, oh, there's like five more months until summer break, and you're just doing your best to teach with passion still, or to study hard so you don't fail your classes, and so you can have good grades, and you're just like, oh, you're just waiting for some summer sun and fun and games. And uh, you might be waiting at work for a promotion, or at least just a pay raise while you dredge away, feeling a little underappreciated. That's not like... I'm not talking to Andy right there. I feel very appreciated. It's just an example. Yeah. (laughs) Or you're sick and you're waiting to feel better, or you're waiting for some kind of diagnosis or a correct prescription, or maybe you're just waiting for money to pay for the right prescription or maybe you're already feeling the tension of waiting for the return of Christ when he'll come and make everything new. Christ has come and was born and that changed things, but we are waiting for the full redemption of all things and maybe you feel that suffering as you wait. And it must have been excruciating for the people of Israel who did not even have like the birth of Christ to reflect on while they waited for the second coming. They were just waiting for the Messiah to actually come in the first place. Um, must have been excruciating to wait so long for redemption, generation after generation, and like God was performing miracles and maybe that was some kind of encouragement to them, but still, it must have been so hard. Yet in the temple, we discover two devout People, Simeon and Anna, who have maintained their hope with a lot of vigor when we see their personalities and reactions to Jesus amidst the suffering and the longing and the waiting that they were probably also experiencing. So the first person that we meet in the temple is Simeon. And he is an old man filled with the spirit who had been waiting for the consolation or redemption of Israel. And God promised Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. So I'm a little curious as to how old Simeon actually was. Like was he born like 300 years ago and he was still waiting and like, just cheering on the Messiah to come, you know, but, uh, <laughs> well, most people, they didn't know any different. They just thought, oh, well, let's just keep waiting, and then my kids will keep waiting, and then my grandkids will keep waiting, but Simeon had this hope, like, I at least know that I will meet the Messiah. It's like, this is going to come sooner rather than later, probably, you know, so He, maybe he was like super hyped up about the Messiah all the time. Like, yeah, the Messiah's gonna come today! And then he goes to the temple or goes about his business and he's like, oh, no Messiah, but tomorrow. Like, I don't know if he was just always hyped up about it because of that promise, or if he was still probably feeling that suffering in the waiting. Like, maybe his, like, knees were giving him some problems and he's like, oh, how long am I gonna be able to walk with these knees? Or, like, my hair is falling out. Like, Messiah, are you gonna come? But um, on the day that Mary and Joseph took the baby to the temple, Simeon felt God moving in him to go visit the temple that day. And so he went. And... Well, there was Jesus being consecrated. He didn't even need an introduction. Like, oh, this is Jesus, Simeon. Nice to meet you. But he just, like, somehow ends up with Simeon in his arms. And then, or, like, maybe, like, a Lion King situation where he's, like, holding him up in the air. And he's like, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? <laughs> like, there's this old man, and he's holding the baby. And he's like, take me now, God. <laughs> Like, just wait a couple of minutes, okay? <laughs> and he's like, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And maybe Mary and Joseph were like, should we go take the baby out of his arms? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> then they heard him declaring this wonderful news about their son and being reminded of th- who their child is and what they might expect from him. But Simeon wasn't finished, and this is where it gets very encouraging. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the hearts of many hearts, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Uh, it's not as great as what he said before. And I've been kind of picturing that in my head, like, you know, on characters in movies, like, they go into, like, this trance when they're, like, doing a prophecy or something, and they're like, <gasps> comes out in, like, a weird voice. I kind of, like, imagine that happening. It probably didn't, but I just thought I'd share that with you guys. But <laughs> important sermon information. Um, <laughs> but... um not every parent wants to hear that, but we all kind of expect things like to not go super great all the time, right? But um, so far, Mary and Joseph had just been in like getting these like really amazing miracles and wonderful things had been happening, and so maybe this was like unexpected, especially after Simeon was just like the light to the Gentiles, but. Um, it was important for them to understand what this journey might be like, that their son Jesus was gonna suffer, and they'd have to bear it in ways that they never knew uh, or imagined. And uh, Jesus does things a little unexpectedly all the time, though. I mean, throughout the New Testament, he is constantly in trouble for doing like things that are wrong but that 's not actually wrong and he when he 's called Messiah or King, he looks very different from those, and so Jesus was going to share in the suffering of humanity, but unexpectedly, it was to redeem humanity that he was going to be sharing in that suffering, and he was rejected in many places. And this rejection ultimately led to his death and then his resurrection. So the author of Luke is preparing us for the drama ahead that Jesus would face and also reminds us of this suffering that Jesus would go go through to bring us redemption and that this little baby king was going to be the redeemer for everyone. The inclusion of Gentiles wasn't a new idea. A lot of times we think, oh, that's probably something different. But that was always a part of the plan. And Simeon really gets at the heart of what would have been the Jewish scriptures back then. That the light is for everyone. And so Jesus was deeply nurtured by this faith. Like, if we remember, his parents are very devout. And they went and did what the law required of them after his birth and uh, he was raised by his faithful parents, and so he's seen as fulfilling the law, not trashing it or ignoring it or trying to change it. He's bringing fulfillment, and that's what he does everywhere he goes. He makes all things new. He's bringing redemption. And then the second person that we meet, her name is Anna, and uh, she visits the temple often to pray and worship God. I kind of just imagine her like, walking around the church singing all the time. (laughs) Like just a happy lady, just singing all the time, like hymns or something. But um, she's always praying and in this story, she comes up and meets Jesus and she also seems to just know who he is without any sort of explanation from anybody. And uh, she thinks of God and then she goes and shares the news with everybody. So a lot of times we like to think of like the women who discovered the empty tomb and that Jesus had risen from the dead as the first people preaching the good news of Jesus. But really, I think it was Anna because she was preaching to everyone who would listen about the redemption that Jesus was bringing and that he was going to make everything new. Simeon and Anna are so faithful, obedient, prayerful, empowered by the Spirit and they're longing for the fulfillment of God's promises, they see Jesus and recognize him immediately, even though he was only a baby. How unexpected that they would recognize the Messiah when he wasn't on a white horse coming in on the high of a military victory, but when he was just a little baby and still dependent to live upon others. And how unexpected that they would recognize the Messiah when his parents weren't wealthy, important members of the royal family, but were so poor they couldn't even afford the best sacrifice in the temple. And Anna and Simeon must have felt a lot of joy that day as they uh, had been waiting for so long and they were, well, at least Simeon even stated he was ready to go, to depart in peace. And they probably felt so excited, and uh, even Anna was just sharing it with everyone who would listen. These older people welcomed this young baby Jesus It was as the new fulfillment of an old promise. Simeon and Anna might also remind us of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who I mentioned were at the beginning of the parents of uh, John the Baptist. Um, they were old in age, yet they were Uh, Going to bear this child, John, who would prepare the way for the Lord. And they were ushering in the new fulfillment of this old promise. As we continue to wait in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, from the small stuff like a summer break from school to bigger things like longing for the new creation. May we be as faithful as Zechariah and Elizabeth, as Mary and Joseph, and as Simeon and Anna. While it seems like a really long wait, may we remember the promises of God and his faithfulness to fulfill them in the past as we expect them in the future. And may we also follow Anna and Simeon's example of active waiting, not just sitting on the couch waiting for Jesus's second coming, but actively participating in the kingdom and participating with his redemptive work that's already taking place here now. And may we devote ourselves to the light of Christ and seek the light of Christ when it feels overwhelmingly dark. The presentation of Jesus at the temple is actually a pretty major holiday in the church year for a lot of different denominations. It's usually described as a festival of light and takes place February 2nd, which is this coming Saturday, and it's called Candlemas. This day is usually symbolized with light as a reminder that Jesus is a light for the Gentiles and the Israelites. And some people choose to celebrate by eating crepes, which are just like a weird pancake because they're round and golden like the sun or the moon and uh, also probably because they're really good. Um, And some people will make candles every year to light to remind us that Christ is a light for the world. Last year Jason and I celebrated candlemas with the Ketchums and we, we rolled advent candles that we burned this this advent which was kind of it's like waiting to burn them for like seven wait I don't know I don't know how to count some a, a lot of months to wait to burn them so we participated in waiting also through that <laughs> But um, other people will celebrate by enjoying the holiday by candlelight, turn off all the lights in their house, eat dinner by candlelight, or maybe read by the fire, or maybe you enjoy the whole evening by candlelight, trying to do chores like dusting or something. I just don't recommend playing catch or tag, kids. We don't wanna burn down your house. That's not a good way to remember that Jesus is the light of the world. Um, So as we find ourselves in our waiting, Maybe this celebration is what we need uh, to remember the persevering hope of all the generations who went before us and waited and endured, some without conclusion, and then some with conclusion, like Simeon and Anna or other people who knew and met Jesus. May we discover peace in our waiting as we remember the miraculous birth, life, death, and resurrection of the Messiah. And may we celebrate his light that is impacting the world and be part of it as we continue to wait and long for the new creation.